Hello, Mountain. It's good to see everybody. Glad you're with us at each of our campuses or online, wherever you're joining us. Simplicity. Hmm. It is possible that I am the worst imaginable person to speak on this subject. <laughs> My life uh, is often crazy busy, overstuffed with a schedule that is hard to manage. Things I've said yes to that are uh, beyond my capacity, and uh, I often just have a kind of congested, cluttered, complex life. So let me teach you about <laughs> simplicity. A few, few weeks back, I was at an airport getting ready for a flight, and I grabbed this book, and I thought, oh, this looks actually cool. I want to read this. You know what the title of the book was? The life-changing magic of tidying up. I love reading about things like that. Uh, the Japanese art of decluttering and organizing. So I thought, well, that's, that's safe to read that because I'm on a plane. What could I really do about it? So I read it and read most of it anyway. I got back home. I put it on my desk. And, uh, and then as I was getting ready for the kicking off of this new series on simplicity, I thought, well, there's a thing in there I could really use. Maybe it could help all these people, these poor cluttered people, and I could maybe use an illustration out of there for all of you haplessly disorganized people. Except, do you think I could find that book? Oh my gosh, I looked everywhere. I could not find that book. I eventually did find it. You know where it was? Under a pile of stuff on my desk, like under a mountain of stuff. And just to make you all feel better and relax and level the playing field at the beginning, I went ahead and took a picture. This is actually the side part of my desk. There is the book in the beginning. And yes, yes, I'll admit it. That's my desk. That's part of my desk anyway. Okay. Do you all feel a little bit better now? Do you feel like I'm pretty pathetic? You feel like you're about to hear a seminar, you know, uh, come, <laughs> it's, it's sort of like, <laughs> I was thinking like this, like if Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton get a seminar on humility and truth-telling, you know, that's, <laughs> now we're going to hear, we're going to hear simplification from Ben. So ironically, this last week was extra crazy. Um, I, I had a super full schedule just every day and on, I don't try to, I try not to do this, but I had every evening filled and many of them went till very late calls, meetings, writing, uh, consulting, uh, decisions to make. Uh, counseling, all kinds of stuff going on. And, uh, but I can tell you all of this. Uh, and part of what makes it a little bit easier is I don't think I'm alone. I don't think I'm the only one who uh, maybe has a life that could use some simplification. Hey, how you doing? Oh, um, awesome. Just chilling, relaxed, not much going on. Said no one of you ever. Because it's not the way it is. Unless, I mean, there's probably some six-year-old that's like, Mom, I don't know what to do. Probably some 96-year-old that would love a few more interruptions. But for most of us, we're crazy busy. We get our kids into so many stuff. Scouts and clubs and drama and choir and band. And they're, they're in small group and collide and echo. Thank you. Baseball, basketball, football, volleyball, soccer, tennis, lacrosse. Run them all over the place. Chess club, robotics club, cheerleading, karate, part-time student or full-time student, hopefully, full part-time job, not much sleep, hours and hours and hours spent on FaceTime, Snapchat, Instagram, texting, and keeping up with video games. And that's nothing compared to people as they get into the young adult years and they start trying to work or get out of school, get married, have a family. It's just bad or worse with the congested complexity and the clutteredness, isn't it? Bills to pay, things to read, work to do, places to go, bosses to please. 
right? Mow the lawn, fix the air conditioner, refinance the mortgage, get it all done, figure out when to do it, raise the kid, run the kid, you know, scold the kid, love the kid, find the kid, drive the kid, drive the kid, drive the kid, drive the kid, and then ask, where did I, how did I get here? When you finally get there, this particular week was the week where when you get your life in a place where you don't have any margin to work with, then every little thing that happens is like, oh, great. So my, this is the week my computer went up. This is the week that my printer jammed. This is the week that my phone stopped working. Oh, I could hear you, but you couldn't hear me. Oh, that was so much fun. And then my car got in an accident all by itself. I won't mention anything more about that. And my dog now apparently needs to wear a diaper. Terrific. <laughs> Terrific. And in the middle of that, I'm like, when am I going to find time to write a sermon in that kind of a week? When is, what's the sermon on anyway? Look, oh, simplify. Oh, you know what I said? I said, you remember that lady, Sweet Brown, when her house caught on fire and they interviewed her on the news? Remember what she said? Do you remember? Go ahead and watch this. This is a refresher here. Here you go. Because this is what I said. Praying for my life. And then the smoke got me. I got bronchitis. Ain't nobody got time for that. All right, everybody together with me. Ready? One, two, three. Ain't nobody got time for that. And so that's kind of how, how it often feels in our lives, doesn't it? It often does. It's how I feel way too much of the time. Um, in the month of June, dentist appointment? Pfft, ain't nobody got time for that. Jury duty? Thank you so much. Car repair? Haircut? Are you kidding me? Ain't nobody got time for that. You know, and so it's like a theme song. It's like a sort of, you know, mantra that becomes part of what, re you know, plays in the back of your mind uh, very, very often. And the problem is when it starts to affect more than just your calendar, it starts affecting every other part of your life. And it starts affecting serious parts of your life. It's like it starts cluttering up your soul. I'd love to spend more time with the Lord. I'd love to move to chair one. I'm missing too many quiet times. I want to pursue loving God with my whole heart, but ain't nobody got time for that. I'd love to just hang with my wife more, do some of those date nights I keep seeing others talk about on, FaceTime, on, on, on Facebook, but ain't nobody got time for that. I'd love to get more sleep. I'd love to pay better attention to my diet, my health, and my exercise, but the truth is I got time for fat. I just don't got time for that. I'd love to invest my time in the right things at work and be more efficient so I'm doing the things that matter most and let some of the lesser things go so I'm not tyrannized by the urgent and I'm deciding how I'm going to invest my time. I'd love to invest more in relationships that are meaningful and are life-giving and nurture the ones that are special and important that I feel God is leading me to. I want my finances to be in order and, and less impatient with my kids, but you know, it feels like for many of us, ain't nobody got time for that. And I struggle with all of those things. In other words, I'm a lot like you. So, this congestion of calendar and hurry sickness and complicated living is pretty much an epidemic in our time. It's the water that a lot of us are swimming in. It's become so much normal that a lot of us don't even recognize it. So, in another way, I want to also just say, I think I'm maybe pretty well qualified to talk about this because um, simplicity is something that I care very much about. And I think you do too. And it's a lifelong pursuit of mine. And I am interested in finding out 
how to get in that zone of something that feels more sane and simple more often and to live there more regularly. And I'm interested in figuring out why sometimes I slip away from it. And I am learning to seek out sanctuaries of sanity and serenity and simplicity in the midst of speed and stress. And I'm learning the power of two simple words, the words no and yes, and how they open up doors to rooms and space of simplicity in my life that create more room for God, which I'm learning is the most important part of this whole thing. And if any of that sounds interesting to you, or helpful or important to you, then this series is going to be really, really helpful for you. It's called Simplicity, or Simplify, or whatever. I can't remember. Something simple. It's a simple word. It's one word. Oh, yeah, the word simplify. So there's a book that we're reading, and I invite you to get the book. I really encourage you to hop into a group. There's just four or five weeks here where we're going to just discuss these things with others, get real, and just kind of figure out how, how can we take some steps forward. I really encourage you to do that and sign up today for that. But some of you are like, you know what, I'm sorry that our, you know, the guy up there talking is so pathetic, but this really isn't me. And um, maybe that's true. Maybe you're one of those rare birds where you just have always mastered this. But just to kind of help some of the rest of us maybe figure out, I'm going to give you a little diagnostic, a series of questions, okay? I'm just going to give you a diagnostic series of questions. And you can just kind of answer into, you know, to yourself, is this something that's really, that's not true of me, or hmm, that is sometimes true of me, or that's pretty often, most of the time, true of me, okay? So, you know, not really me, no, never, or um, sometimes, or pretty much often, always, some, you know, it's true of me. Okay, you ready? Here we go. The first one, you go through your day with a constant sense of urgency. Not true of you ever, sometimes, or... A lot of the time. So like if you're frustrated that I haven't gone under the second one yet, I'm just helping you see that to you, okay? Um, you feel disconnected from God and you intend to spend more time nurturing that connection. Is that you? Never? Sometimes? A lot of the time? You, you think about escaping like, ah, vacation just keeps rolling through your brain. Or unhealthy escapes. Or Calgon, take me away. Whatever. Is that you? You, you feel frustrated or guilty because you're not able to get everything done that you want to get done. Is that you? Sometimes you think about and desire a simpler life. You feel you don't really have the time you would like to have for love and good, deep friendships. You often feel like you're trying to do too many things at the same time. Sometimes you have lost a sense of gratitude and wonder about life. And how about this one? Sometimes you sense this gnawing indication inside of you that there's got to be more to life than this. If you had sort of, yeah, that's sometimes me, or that's pretty much always me, to even a couple of those or more, then just, it just confirms you're swimming in the same river that all of us are. 
So if you open your Bible to the book of Job, I love the Bible. The book of Job is right in the middle, right next to Psalms. Looks like Steve Jobs, except without the S. And it's, I love the Bible because it's so practical. Written thousands of years ago, could have been written yesterday by any one of us. Here's a guy, you remember Job, he suffered so terribly. So many terrible things happened to him. Here's a portion of scripture where he's complaining about his life to um, his friends and here to God. And here he says in verse 25, Listen to this. My days are swifter than a runner. They fly away without any joy. They skim past like boats of papyrus, like eagles swooping down on their prey. He gives us these three kind of very cool analogies or metaphors, if you will, to kind of describe what his life feels like. And I think, man, can any of us relate to any of these? I mean, have you ever felt like your life was swifter than a runner? He's talking about a, someone who's in a race. This is a, like in the Old Testament, that word is used when they had to get an urgent message to the king. They'd find a Usain Bolt kind of guy, give him the message, and he would sprint all the way. And he's saying, man, my life feels like Usain Bolt at the Olympics. Every morning, my alarm clock is like a gunfire, like on your market set, go, and off I go, and I'm off to the races, and that's what my life feels like. Second analogy, he says it feels like I'm a, I'm a boat of papyrus. This is a real fast-moving boat made of reeds, a super canoe designed to just fly through the water. Whoosh! Some of us are known for always being in a hurry. If anyone's ever said to you, how are you doing? And you said, busy, this is you. The third analogy uh, to the speed of our lives, he says, like an eagle swooping down on its prey. Ever see that? That bird is just kind of soaring and floating up there, but then all of a sudden it drops like a missile. Shoo! And it goes after some poor rabbit that we think is quick is no contest for a, for a bird like that. Bam, it goes and gets it. And that's how I go after my to-do list every day. Go get that one, devour that one, zoom down on it, get it done, knock it out. Over in chapter 7, verse 6, he says the same thing. He says, my days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle. And they come to an end without hope. Let me help you see that for a second. My days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle and they come to an end without hope. The shuttle was that little stick uh, uh, that the thread or the yarn was spooled on in a loom. Here's a picture of one. You can kind of see what it looks like there. The thread would go around that middle part right there. And the weaver then would take, take that shuttle and then the, the shuttle is the woof. And it would go between the warp of the, of the vertical threads in order to, to make some kind of fabric. And the shuttle would go back and forth. The word shuttle is where we get the word shuttle run. Or if you're going to get on the shuttle and run you back and forth. That's where we get this idea. And if you're good at making a, 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 a something here the shuttle goes back and forth pretty quick like that you just kind of throw it back and forth and that's the idea in fact here's a picture of someone running a loom and you can see the shuttle and I love the picture because the guy's hands are a blur (laughs) because that's what it's like he's moving real fast absent-mindedly just throwing that thing and every little bit a little more thread comes off of the spool and this guy's saying you ever feel like your life's like that just back and forth every day, choo, 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 choo. a little more spool of my life unwinds. And I wonder sometimes what I'm really accomplishing. I mean, I know it's all supposed to be going somewhere. It's all supposed to be this, this big, um, beautiful fabric that my life is coming into. But I know I'm supposed to be this masterpiece of God. But I feel like sometimes I'm just accepting the assignments that are given to me and the lot in life and all this stuff that I don't even feel like I chose. And yet in my life is just going back and forth. Choo. And it's making this thing. And is it really all leading anywhere? 
Is it, 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 and one day he says, it's all, my life's going to be gone. And then I'm going to say, what, what, what now? You know, it's interesting. It says, my, it'll, one day it will all be gone. The word for thread and the word for hope in Hebrew is actually the same word. So this is a play on words saying, I just one day go back and forth and all of this stuff gets jerked off the spool and then all of a sudden uh, it's all gone. All the hope is gone until all the thread is gone, until all the hope is gone. If your days ever feel like that, like choo, 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 and days are falling off like thread off a spool, and you wonder if it's really the purpose and the mission and the intention that, and the design that you're meant to fulfill, then you're ready to simplify. And to do that, we're going to need to do more than learn the Japanese art of decluttering. And we'll have to do more than organize a closet. Although for some of us, that wouldn't be a bad place to start. We are going to talk about some practical things. But before we do, today we're going to focus on just the deep need we have to declutter our souls. To declutter our souls. Now, there's going to be homework every week. This isn't going to be easy. If it was easy, we'd all have simplified lives. It's not easy. So we'll give some homework every week. You'll have to figure out what the homework is too, by the way. Because I don't know your life. I don't know your issues. But I would like to start today by just giving two very small but very powerful words that if applied and leveraged, I have seen in my own life have the power to transform a life. Do you know what the first word is? Do you already know? Do you? No? Correct. <laughs> Correct. Let's begin. We have to learn, first of all, to say the right nose. You want to practice that? Try it. Put the tongue on the upside of your mouth like this. That's how you start. And then go ahead and try saying it when you're ready. Go ahead. How was that? Was that okay? Could you do that again? Try it again. No. Yes, it's a lot easier to say than no, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yes, it's a lot easier to say than no. But what we're looking for are those few purposeful yeses in our life that define our life the way that God has called us to live. What are the intentional yeses we want to say? And if we want to identify those, then we've got to, first of all, say some purposeful no's in order to make space for the yeses. Does that make sense? Yes is so much easier to say. But no is important to say. You know, this summer some of us will rush off to an amusement park or some hectic vacation trying to stuff a bunch of happiness into our families. And the truth is some of the best thing we could ever do is just stay home, sleep in, eat well, and hug our kids. Simple. We'll buy our kids stuff in hopes of giving them what they need and they want. When some of us know instinctively deep down the best thing we could ever do is not buy them another thing for a year. We get beat down by life and our knee-jerk reaction is to add something. A new gadget, some more clothes, some more food to fix something, go buy an activity, add, add something in. When sometimes the best thing we can do is take something away. This is why the discipline of fasting seems so counterintuitive. But if you just say no to the God of your belly and don't add more food for a little while, it turns out that that no actually adds freedom and space for something else to happen that never would have happened. When you say no to your calendar... 
who's screaming out to, to draw things in and stuff it full, you end up having this sort of strange freedom through that discipline of no. We learn this in our schedules. I'm a to-do list guy. I love to-do lists. I, I have one for my, for my six weeks. I have one for my month. I have one for my day. I have one every day, and I love it. I'm so crazy. This is how sick I am. Sometimes after I do something, I'm like, wait, I'll get out a list and write it down just so I can what? Check it off. Awesome. Feels awesome. Feels awesome. Love it. I'm an achiever. I love those to do. You know what I've learned, though, over the years is that one of the most important things I can have in my life is not a to-do list. That's important. It gets my priorities straight. You know what I need? I need a to-don't list. A to-don't list are the things that have become clear over time. It's like, wait a second. got to stop doing that. That someone else can do that. I need to give that one away. Or that's good but not the best. And there's only so much bandwidth I have. And you're the same way. You've got to have a to-don't list. You not only need your priorities on a list. You need your posteriorities. You know, what's at the rear end of your list that's going to drop off? A guy in the 14th century, Meister Eckhart, spiritual leader, said, God is not found in the soul by adding anything, but by a process of subtraction. You want to go deeper with God and fill your soul with more of Him? Most of the time we think the spiritual life is about adding stuff. I've got to start doing this now. I've got to start doing that now. I've got to sort of add this in and all, another list of things to do. But to simplify our lives around Jesus, He's reminding us the truth that I bet we all kind of know has the ring of truth to it. And that is, I've got to start with what I need to take away. Where, what do I need to stop doing? What do I need to do to make some space for God? If my life is filled with my agenda and stuff I think is important and I try to stick on a little God at the end I'm going to be double-minded and distracted so I've got to say no to some stuff so I can create space for the Holy Spirit to live and work and breathe and lead me in my life to where God wants me to go and that's where true simplified living is found is my life empty enough to hear from God Instead of wondering, geez, I wonder what I'm supposed to go grab hold of and start doing. Maybe the question should be, what does God want me to let go of right now? Philippians 2 describes Jesus as he comes to earth to accomplish this amazing mission that he came for. And it says that, you know what he did? He emptied himself so that he could get where he needed to be and do what he needed to do. And I wonder if the same is true in our lives. What do you think? That maybe there's some emptying that has to happen of ourselves as well. Is there some way you need to empty yourself so you can be filled with the most important stuff? Hebrews 12 comes at it this way. It says, you know what we need to do? Throw off everything that hinders Throw it off. And the sin that so easily entangles around our legs, you can't run with that. You, you, you want to run with perseverance. The race that's marked out for us, some of us are trying to run, but we, we, we've got too much stuff hindering us, entangling us. You can't follow hard after Jesus and live a life that would be described as simplified. It's like trying to run a race with a 150-pound backpack on you. You know, you could maybe get through with all that clutter and disorganization and busyness and worry and uh, unresolved conflict and financial chaos and, and a feeling out of control and overbusy and distracted, but, you know, it's like... Man, throw it off. There's a different way to run. What do you need to throw off? Some of us probably need to throw off some clutter. I mean, physical clutter. Like, yeah, start with a closet. 
Yeah, maybe that would be it. A, gra a trash bag or two full to Tabitha's house or Kia's Corner would be a great place to start. But it's probably some other stuff. Some of us probably have some habits that need to get cleaned up or some friends who need to hit the road. Make them walk the plank and get them off the ship of your life. Throw them off. Some of us have some hobbies that aren't really that life-giving because they're draining your bank account and your time from the things that you say are more important like family and your, your faith. Some of us are workaholics and we need to throw some of that scheduling that we do like someone's got a gun to our head. Well, it's not true. Some of us are lazy and that's what actually makes us feel so unproductive. We need to throw off some of that. Some of us just have guilt hanging over our heads about everything, that I'm not getting enough done. We need to throw that off. And some of that happens, all of it begins really with a greater no. So you can say a greater yes, so we can subtract the right thing, so we can get emptied enough, so that we can get filled later with the right stuff. What do you need to throw away? What do you need to say no to? Where do you need to empty yourself in order for you to start living a more simplified life? Well, that's the first word. Would you like to know the second word? Would you? Correct. We need to learn to say the right yes. We need to learn to say the right yes. The only reason you say no is not just so you can say no or sort of clear something. You say it in order to clear it for the right things. And the, that's the yes we're getting at. And we're really talking about the, the ultimate yes. Like, like Jesus did this, you know. Here's a guy who had more to do than any of us. Never seemed overly stressed or worried about it. And at the end of his life, despite the fact that not everyone was healed, not everyone heard the truth, not everyone was touched or fixed by him, he's a guy that the Bible said he did everything that God sent him to do. Why is it that we sometimes feel like we're supposed to do more than Jesus? More than God himself who rested on the seventh day? Here's a guy who snuck away early in the morning, the Bible says, to pray and be with the Father. In other words, he said no to some sleep in that case in order to say yes, his great yes, with the Father. He got in a boat and slipped to the other side of the lake one time, though a crowd was clamoring after him, wanting a piece of him because he knew he'd have to say no to some of them if he was going to say yes to some others. Maybe some of us just need to hear from this Jesus who seemed to master the greater yes. Let these words maybe just be a fresh invitation for you today from Jesus himself who says these words, Come to me, all you who are weary and overburdened, and I will give you rest. Doesn't that sound great? Put on my yoke. A yoke is like a wooden animal harness, right? And learn from me. Yoke up with me. I'll show you how to do this. For I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my way of carrying the load is easy. And my burden is light. Your way, he's saying, is, doesn't look so easy. Your burden looks pretty heavy. You're doing it wrong. Let me show it. Can I show you? So here's a guy who had more to do than we have to do. Here's a guy who could have been busier than we ever will be, and yet he's saying, my burden is light. I want that. And that's the key of the greater yes. 
So to think about it, maybe think about it this way. If your life had theme music, if there was a musical score assigned to your life that would fit and go along with what your day actually looked like most days, what would that music sound like? What would be the fitting sort of musical score for your days, right? I think the truth is for a lot of us, it would be something like Flight of the Bumblebees. Do you know that song? So here, go ahead. Now here's a few, just see if this doesn't describe your life, okay? Go ahead and play a little bit of Flight of the Bumblebees. some point you just want to smack her and say will you stop it (laughs) and that's how I think people might feel around me sometimes and sometimes around you what's the musical score of your life you know the Psalms are actually songs that's the word means song and there's no musical notes in your Bible but the words are there and you can you can almost hear the music that would play along with some of the Psalms in the Bible one of my favorite is Psalm 46 because it's helped me make some sense of my life Psalm 46 if it had a musical score would be big and bold at the beginning there'd be all the timpanis and the oboes and the full orchestra and the horn section and it would be loud and triumphant and boom 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 and then dangerous and risky and fast because there's huge stuff going on in the psalm I mean it's saying that mountains are crumbling and falling into the sea and I have days that feel like that it's like oh I got to fix that mountain now that's a big deal I got to fix and it says that there's mountain that the oceans are foaming and roaring like you're getting flooded and about to go under and there's days I feel like that it has all this big stuff talking about our shields of defense being burnt and it's like well that now I know what I'm going to do I feel like that very often and then all of a sudden that music just kind of comes down from that crescendo down to a very small all of a sudden it almost stops and you hear just like a little violin or a flute coming in and in verse 10 it says these words Be still and know that I am God. Be still in the midst of it and know that I am God. You'll have days where the mountains are crumbling and the seas are foaming and you're about to flood under. But in the midst of it all, you say the great yes because you've created space even in the midst of it to be still with God. And this is the key, I think, to the rhythm. This is the kind of music that really is realistic for our lives. I doubt few of us can have every moment quiet and serene. That's not the productive full life that Jesus describes, nor the one he lived. But one that just rolls on with timpanis pounding every minute is not the full life either. So in the midst of it all, We come back to be still. In fact, there is a song called Simple Gifts. It's an old shaker song. First time I heard it was from a dear friend of mine. He's a coal miner's son who turned out to be one of my dear friends and professors in grad school. He played it with a hammered dulcimer in East Tennessee for me. And the words spoke to me so much. And I thought maybe the best simple gift I can give to you in our crazy world is a couple about a one minute of you just hearing that song and imagining it being the tune of your life. Be still and know that I am God. Just for a minute, let's just maybe close our eyes and listen. Yeah. 
Don't you long for that to be a song that finds its place in the refrain of your life? How are we going to live with some stillness even in the midst of the storm? Well, like that. You know, there was a Danish philosopher in the 19th century, a great Christ follower by the name of Søren Kierkegaard, and one of the most famous things he said is, purity of heart is to will one thing. Purity of heart is to will one thing. The, the good life, the simple life, the real deep, satisfying, contented life is when your heart is attached in one direction that you are longing for one thing with your whole heart as your highest priority that you are honed in on even though all the other things in life are still there you have that clarity when you're distracted and chase off in multiple directions with contradictory ideas and things that you're pursuing at the same time it leaves us anxious and frustrated and confused but when you will for one thing your mind gets unified around that ultimate thing. And then all of our choices and priorities and schedules kind of find their proper place in and around it. Even if a day gets crazy, you can still hear the still small voice. But you've got to hone in on that one thing. That's the purity of heart. That's the simplified life. Now some are like, well, I know my one thing. It's my family. Looking at some people, I would say their one thing is wealth. Success, fame, popularity, pleasure. But the truth is, if you really want real purity of heart, real peace, a real simplified, centered life, you've got to go after that thing, but it's got to be so good and so big and so worthy of your whole life that it's going to hold you together and it's got to be bigger than health or money or even family. We've got to will one thing. But not just anything, because we're made by God for God, and that's why anything except God will never be enough for us. That's how we're made. So the simplified life, the confused life, is only really stemming out of our slippage from allowing Jesus to be our one thing. James 4, verse 7 says it this way, Submit to God. Come near to God. He will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your heart. There's the purity of heart. You double-minded. You can't have a pure heart if your mind is doubled. You've got to be focused on the one thing. Come near to God. He will come near to you. The way Jesus says it in Matthew 6 is, seek first the kingdom of God. Seek Him first and His righteousness. Then all these other things will be added to you. You can't go try to get everything and then hope that you're going to add on a little bit of Jesus too and expect to have a simplified, single-minded life. It's not going to work that way. Purity of heart is to will one thing. And Jesus is the great yes, the one who gives the music some sanity and be still and know that I am God moments in the midst of it. You know, when Jesus visited his friends, Mary and Martha, they were so happy to see him, right? And remember how they approached the, um, the response of their, the reception of their guest, Jesus, very differently. Martha is the one who scurries around like a lot of us, with her, like a chicken with her head cut off. She's fixing and vacuuming and working in the kitchen. And Mary chose instead to sit quietly at Jesus' feet. Interesting that she as a woman would sit at the rabbi's feet in a place of learning. But Jesus allows it and welcomes it. But Martha's frustrated. 
She's just angry. She comes out of the kitchen with an apron and sweat on her brow and a casserole in her hand. And she's ticked at Mary for not helping. She says, Jesus, make her help me. Why aren't you telling her to help me? And that's when Jesus says words that I can just imagine him saying to each of us. Can you imagine Jesus saying these words to you maybe? When he says, Martha, Martha. Ben, Ben. Dave, Dave. Sue, Sue. Take a chill pill. You're worried and stressed and upset about many, many things. Can you hear Jesus saying that to us? Your schedule is just showing that you're occupied in so many directions all at the same time. You're going in three directions at once. You're churned up, but you've forgotten what the most important thing is. And when you find yourself in life and you have sweat on your brow and you're ticked at somebody because they're, they're you know, and you're ticked at God because he's... Yeah. It's usually the case that we've forgotten what's truly most important in those moments as well. He says these amazing words to Mary, to Martha. He says, few things are actually really needed. Isn't that interesting? She had a long to-do list still to do. What are you talking about? He's like, you know, few things are really needed. And then he actually says, you know, indeed, only one. Only one thing. And Mary sitting at my feet, has chosen it. She chose the better part, Martha. The solution isn't finally getting everything done in the kitchen or the garage or at work or at the mall. It's to grab hold with laser focus on the great yes, the great most important thing of all. You know, when I was in seminary, grad school, after our first semester, we had um, been working really hard. My life was crazy in those days as well, always has been. We were studying Hebrew and Greek and the original languages. We were reading big, thick, ancient books. We were studying new books. We were, I was also working full-time as a pastor, leading camps and retreats and preaching on the weekend and counseling and trying to do all this. I was dating Carla, trying to keep that relationship, staying with my family, and all this stuff was going on, oh, whatever. The last day of class of our first semester, a wise professor handed us a little poem. And you know what the title was? It's time to get back to Jesus alone. And it's verses, I would invite you to just go look it up on the internet. Read it for yourself. But the verses were beautiful. You know, when you're, you don't know whether to do this or do that, or, and we've got all these things screaming at us, and sometimes you just need to say, it's time to get back to Jesus alone. Mary chose the better part. Seeking God. Still small voice. Be still. And know that I am God. Let me pray for you. Father, we want to find our ultimate rest and simplicity in you. So before we tear into all these things about our schedules and our finances in coming weeks, Lord, we, we want to um, just come back to Jesus alone and say, here we find our rest and our sanity. And for those of us who feel we're about to go under in the flood, Help us to say that we can just be still, like Mary, sitting at your feet and choose the better part and know that you are God. Amen.